0: So, now that Thanksgiving is officially over, it's now the Christmas season, I have no doubt you, like me, went and got a bunch of these, maybe from your attic, maybe out in the garage, you pulled them up from the basement, but now begins the Christmas decoration marathon, right? Where you're trying to get everything out, you get your bins, you begin to open the bins, and then you have this look. It's kind of the deer in the headlights, but an exhausted deer caught in headlights. It's... I'm exhausted, I haven't even done anything yet. Because we get all excited pulling everything down. We get the bins out and we're all excited and kids are excited and what this is gonna look like when we're finished decorating. So you have this plan and it seems exciting, but then you open up the bin and you slowly pull out something that looks like this. And all of a sudden the excitement is gone, isn't it? It started out exciting, but then you pull this out and you're like, I've gotta untangle this, and then once I'm done untangling it, I gotta plug it in, I've gotta see what lights are actually still working. And the lights that are not working, you gotta go and you gotta replace them. Oh, it's exhausting. It's demoralizing. It's a difficult time, but it started with such high hopes, didn't it? It's gonna look so good, it's gonna be great, and then you open it up and it's a tangled, chaotic mess. And if you're like me, this thought has gone through your mind multiple times, While trying to get everything ready, you say, why do I do this to myself every year? Why do I even bother? Like it would've been so much easier if I just left everything up last year. All the lights on the house, what if we just leave them up year round? I would love to be able to do that. Two reasons I can't, my wife and my HOA. Neither one of them will let me keep my lights on my house year round. But I don't wanna go through all the untangling and all the checking of the lights. I don't wanna go through all of that again, but here's something strange about us. We do it anyway, don't we? We get all excited and then we see the realities and we're thinking, why do I do this to myself every year? Why do I even bother? Yet, we still do it. We still go through with it. So there I was sitting outside in my driveway, untangling all of our lights, checking all of the light bulbs. In fact, I was on my roof yesterday because some of the strands went out, so then I had to go back up there and replace them. So I did all of that, and why do I do all that? Because of that one moment when it's all done, and I look forward to it every year, when I get the kids out in the house and it's the total Clark Griswold moment, where I make my whole family go out into the rain, the snow, the sleet, it doesn't matter, everybody out in the yard because look at what I have done. And we turn on the lights and my kids do this. They go, ooh, and ah, right? We do it for the oohs and the ahs. So as I'm staring into the bin before getting it all up and I'm thinking to myself, why am I doing this again? Do I really want to untangle all these lights? Do I really want to spend all this time? It's going to have to come down in less than a month anyway. But I do it because I'm excited for what's to come. I'm excited to see the look on my kid's face when they do the oohs and the ahs and the joy that it brings and and what it represents. That's kind of hope, isn't it? That's really a definition of hope. Hope is the belief that something better is coming. And so when I look at a bin of tangled lights, when we walk through a chaotic life, why do we keep going through with it? Because of hope. Because something better is coming because we are looking forward to that ooh and ah moment. In John chapter one, we get a glimpse into what that hope is for us today. No matter what we walk through, no matter what our life looks like, no matter how chaotic or put together it may seem, here's what we are told is our hope. John chapter one, verse nine. The true light, that's talking about Jesus. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world, that's our hope. Our hope is no matter how dark things may seem, no matter how dark things are, there's hope. And that hope is in the true light. Jesus, who came to be with us, a baby who lived a perfect life, who died on the cross for our sins, who defeated sin and death, rose from the grave, and gives us the promise of eternal life. That's what our hope is in. So as we go through not just today, but this Christmas season, no matter what you're looking at right now, I pray that you would see the hope of what's to come. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for what you have already done and thank you for what you have promised to do for us. Thank you for coming and being born and living amongst us, but thank you also for the the hope and the promise of eternal life that's only found in you. As we move into this Christmas season where we remember and we celebrate your birth, Jesus, I pray that we don't lose sight of hope and that our hope is in you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. So in Isaiah, we're gonna go way back here. So in Isaiah chapter nine, we're given a glimpse again into this hope. And as we read through this, there's gonna be some very familiar words and verses. Probably you've heard these before, may or may not have known it came out of Isaiah. But listen to the reality. And then I want you to pay attention to the hope and the promise, the reality of the tangled mess, but then the hope of what is to come. Isaiah chapter nine, verse two, here's the reality. The people were walking in, and this is an important word, say it with me, they were walking in what? Darkness. The people were walking in darkness, but having seen a great light on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. So very poetic, but understand basically who Isaiah is writing to and writing about. They're living in, what was the word? Darkness. So away from God and dealing with the difficulties and the destruction. Like we could go on and on about the context of what's actually happening, but we all relate to that. We all relate to the the tangled mess of our lives. We all relate to the moments, seasons, of darkness where we feel like we're all alone, we're all by ourselves. Is God there? Where has he gone? When are you gonna make good on these promises? Like all of those thoughts could be summed up in that one word, darkness. So God's people were walking in darkness and then they were given hope. And here's the hope that they were given. Verse six, for to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called, and here's where you might notice these. These might be familiar. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal or the passion of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. You hear the hope? They're living in darkness, recognizing the realities and the mess and the devastation and the difficulty of their lives, living and walking in darkness, yet they were given hope. And this hope is tied to a promise, promise that this child is to be given, this child is to be born, the savior is gonna come. And he is gonna be, remember the words, wonderful counselor, mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. That hope that they were given in the midst of darkness, that hope would be a light. And the light was the promise of Jesus. Throughout this, the next three weeks, as we're leading up to Christmas, we're gonna look at three different gifts that God has given us. And we see them in the Christmas story. The first gift, and what we see here, is God gave us the gift of his promises. Because that's what he promised, right? He said, no, Something better is coming. In fact, I'm sending you my son. I'm sending you Jesus. I'm sending you a savior to bring light into your darkness so you don't have to walk in darkness anymore. So he gave us this gift of his promises. Now, it's interesting how hope and promises on how they tie together. Hope and promise, they are tied very close together. And let me help you understand by telling you a story about pancakes. Remember my pancake story? Every family's kind of got their traditions. One of our family traditions is Saturday mornings. Most Saturday mornings, we make pancakes as a family. It's a lot of fun. We make them at our PJs and we have a great time Saturday morning before the life gets busy and we're at soccer fields, basketball courts and all this other stuff. And this was many months ago. I mean like a long, long, I can't emphasize it enough, a long time ago, nowhere in the recent, in in recent times, long time ago, I looked at my kids and I said, you know what, we're gonna give mom a day off so I said Becky, usually it's Becky that makes pancakes and she makes great pancakes, no doubt about it but wanted to give her a break, I try to be like a halfway decent husband, so I said I'm going to make the pancakes this Saturday kids and it's like their world just stopped It's like, dad, do you know how to make the pancakes and I'm like of course I know how to make the pancakes, the side of the box says add this much with this much mix, that's it, Like I can do that I can handle that and my oldest, Connor, he's like, maybe we should just go get mom. And I said, no, I got this. Let mom rest. Let her chill. She does so much. Let her relax. I'm going to make our Saturday morning family pancakes. So I followed the instruction on the side of the box. Now, I'll be honest. I wanted to kind of one-up my wife a little bit on this one. I wanted to make like big pancakes. Like these, I was like, kids, you want like big pancakes? They're like, yeah. I'm like, you got it. So I'm doing like these big pancakes for our Saturday morning breakfast I make them they look amazing the kids are so impressed with me and we lay everything out I call Becky down say hey pancakes are ready we started eating into these pancakes and my kid stops and says dad I'm like yeah like expecting that these are amazing we're so sorry we doubted you how could we ever we want you to make pancakes from here on out for all of eternity instead it was dad these are terrible they're gooey pancakes So in that moment, uh, I I didn't realize what I had done wrong, but then my wife looks at me and says, rookie. (laughs) She says, you can't make massive pancakes because then the middles don't cook. I said, that wasn't on the box. That didn't tell me that I couldn't do that. So I made, for my very first Saturday morning family pancake breakfast, I made gooey pancakes. And then we just had like eggs and water afterwards. Right. So here's what happened though. My kids apparently have incredible memories. I mean impeccable memories. Because it would have been many, many, many months afterwards, I lost my right to make pancakes for quite a while there, many weeks later I said, hey, I'm gonna make pancakes again. And my kid says, no, you're not. Mom has to make those pancakes. And I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna mess this up twice. So they reluctantly gave in. I'm sad to say that I made gooey pancakes twice in a row. So, to this day, local church, to this day, my kids continue to give me grief about the gooey pancakes that I make. And I have not been allowed to make pancakes since. Anytime that I even offer, they're like, no, we're going to have gooey pancakes. And I'm like, surely I can figure it out eventually. But to this day, they will not allow me to make pancakes because they are afraid they're going to be gooey. So, understand how this ties together. I promise to make good pancakes. Reality, I made gooey pancakes. They do not trust me to make pancakes again, (laughs) ever. Now, the flip side is true. Because if, if you don't follow through with a promise, then there's no confidence in the promises moving forward, right? But again, the opposite is also true, where if a promise is given and that promise is fulfilled and upheld and kept, there is hope that the future promises will also be kept. So understand, when we read about God's promises to us and that because of Jesus' birth, one of his greatest promises he gave, he made good on, we can look back and say God made a promise to send his son and he would be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. When we read about that promise and then we know that Jesus was born and God made good on that promise, think of what that does for us moving forward every other promise that God has made. We have hope that he will continue to keep his promises. Hebrews tells us just that. Hebrews chapter 10 tells us this. Let us hold tightly without wavering, listen, to the hope we affirm. The hope, what's our hope? Our hope is in the eternity that we have with Jesus, that Jesus came to save us. We mentioned this earlier, and because he has given us grace, we have the hope of eternal life with him. So we hold on to that hope Hope. Why? Look at this next part. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. I want you to say that last part with me. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. One more time. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. Now, I want you to be thinking of some of the promises of God. Maybe some of the promises that you're wondering if he's going to keep them. Well, God, you said that, but maybe you haven't seen it quite yet. Let me remind you, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. The promises we've already seen him fulfill allow us to move forward with those promises. So God's promise allows us to do two things. We look back on the promise, right? We look back on the birth of Christ and we say, wow, not only are we celebrating Christmas, but we're remembering that the promise God made was kept. So then we move forward holding on to those promises. Because all the promises God has made us will continue to be kept. Hope and promise are tied so closely together. We have hope because of the promises he's given us. Ultimately for us today, it's not a promise that Jesus is born. That was was for the people prior to. For us, it's the hope that we will have eternity with Jesus forever. And God will make good on his promises So here's what I'm gonna do for us. This will be maybe a little bit different, but I think it's gonna be very, very helpful, is it's easy, especially, we say this all the time, you know this, that especially during the Christmas season and all the holidays, it's easy to kind of lose sight, right? Because there's just a lot going on. It's a lot of stuff. Not necessarily bad things, but Becky and I were talking about this yesterday. It's just like one thing after another. Like it's constant. And it's really easy to get lost in all of that stuff. It's very easy to to lose what our hope is in. Can I just be candid for a second? I think I can say this. If not, give me some grace. I've heard this quite a bit and and, and I get concerned because we're starting to put our hope in in something that's not Jesus. We're starting to put our hope in something called 2021. Do you really think, honestly, do you really think something magical is gonna happen on January 1st, 2021? No. No. Now, I'm not going to say what is going to happen, what's not going to happen, what things are going to look like, but my hope is not in another year. My hope is not in anything or anyone. My hope is in Jesus. It's exactly what Hebrews 10 tells us to, that we hold tightly without wavering. We hold so tightly to the hope that we affirm. What's our hope again? That we have a promise in Jesus, all the promises in Jesus, and God will make good on his word. So I want us through this holiday season from now leading up to Christmas to make sure our hope is in Jesus and not in anything or anyone else. But it's gonna take some work and it's gonna take some intentionality. But good news for you, I've done all the hard work for you. You just have to do this over the next three to four weeks. So, here's what we're gonna do. Those four promises that we've been given about Jesus, that he is going to be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace, those are promises that we can still hold on to today for who Jesus is in our lives and for all of eternity. We're gonna focus on those four. I want you to focus on those four one a week for the next four weeks. And specifically, specifically looking back on what he has done and moving forward with what you are hoping he will do. Let me give you an example. Here's what this is gonna look like. There's no way you're gonna be able to write all these down, so get your phones ready. Take a picture. If you don't have your phone on you, which would be shocking, I'll put them on social media for you later, but you're gonna want your phone, snap a picture, do one of these a week over the next four weeks. Here's the first one. First word or first name we're given of Jesus is wonderful counselor. Jesus is my wonderful counselor. Wonderful counselor counselor meaning he's our guide. He's leading us. We read a lot throughout scripture about the wisdom we get from him. All the things that we're navigating, the choices we need to make, the decisions we're wrestling with, the direction, which way do we go? He is is our wonderful counselor. So you're gonna see with each of these, this is what I want you to do this week. I want you to really focus on, it's almost like a devo each week. Focus on this this week. Answer these questions between you and the Lord. First, how has Jesus led and guided me? Look what we're doing. We're looking backwards first, aren't we? We look back, what has he already done? How has Jesus been my wonderful counselor? And then we're gonna look forward and I want you to pay attention and, and wrestle what do I hope Jesus will guide me through and to? You see how we're doing this back and forth? We're gonna do this for each of them. What has Jesus already done in my life? What do I hope he will do? What promises has he kept? What promises am I confident that he will keep? So this week, focus on Jesus being your wonderful counselor and answer those two questions. You see a bunch of Bible verses on there. Let me tell you the first one, Psalm 119, 105. says that your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Meaning, am I allowing Jesus to truly be that wonderful counselor where I'm allowing him to lead me? I love that part of Psalm 119 says that your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. It's not a spotlight. Sometimes we wanna know 10 steps ahead, don't we? No, your word is a lamp unto my feet, meaning I see just enough in front of me to take a next step. And I take a step, and then I see just enough for him to guide me into my next step. So work on those two questions. Go through the Bible verses, and then here's the prayer for the wonderful counselor one this week. Jesus, give me wisdom in the decisions I need to make and the direction I should take. You see what we're doing? So this week, you're focusing that Jesus is your wonderful counselor. Read through the Bible verses. Wrestle through the looking back and the moving forward questions and then take some time to pray through it. That's wonderful counselor. Let's look at the next one. Here's week two. So this is what you'll do next week. Please do not be the overachiever and just blow through all four of these today. Like, ah! I'm good, I got, no. The whole point is to move slowly over the next several weeks leading up to Christmas so that we are very intentional about where our focus is at, that we're intentional on putting our hope in Jesus. So let's talk through the next one. Mighty God, Jesus is my mighty God. Speaks to strength, speaks to authority. And here we wanna look backwards first. Remember, we're gonna go back and then forth. We look back, say, how has Jesus helped me? What has Jesus already done in your life as mighty God? How has he been mighty God to you? Look backwards first and then let's look forward. What are you hoping for? What do I hope Jesus will strengthen me through? Again, you see multiple Bible verses I want you to read through. I'll highlight one of them out of Isaiah chapter 40. Very familiar, I'm sure you've heard this. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 29. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Don't miss this. We're the weak ones here. He is strong. We are weak. We need him to be our mighty God. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord, oh, there's that word hope. But those who hope in the Lord, who put their hope in him, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. In other words, listen, you cannot do this without him. We don't have the strength to. He is our mighty God. And that's what our prayer says. Our prayer for next week when we go through mighty God and focus on him being our mighty God is, Jesus, I cannot, but you can. Give me the strength I need to take my next step. Whatever that next step is. We've been, this week we'll be praying through direction. We'll be praying through choices and wisdom and where we should go. Next week, we've got to have the strength to follow through. We have to have the courage to take those next steps in following Jesus and putting our hope in him. So that's mighty God. Let's talk through the third one, everlasting father. Now here, this idea of everlasting father is not so much thinking of him as a father figure, but it's looking at Jesus as he is the father of all eternity. In other words, eternity is in his hands. He is the ruler for all of eternity. So to say that he is our everlasting father, we recognize that we can only find eternal life through him, please don't miss that. We can only find eternal life in and through him. It's the grace that he gives us. It's the love that he gives us and his grace and his love and his forgiveness is never ending and we cannot deserve it and we most certainly cannot earn it. So the two questions to ask, this will be on week three, is how has Jesus loved Seems like a simple question, but do we, take, do we truly take the time to, to meditate and think on that question? How has Jesus already loved me? Because as our eternal father, as the father of all of eternity, our everlasting father, that's the kind of love he has for you. He did not want to spend eternity without you. That's love. And he went to the cross to prove it and conquered sin and death. So he is our everlasting father. Now look look forward. How do I hope Jesus will show me love? What am I dealing with right now that I just need God to speak to me with? What situations am I feeling defeated in that you need him to pick you up and love you through? What are you getting ready to walk through where you just need him to walk alongside you and say, I'm with you, I love you, you're my son, you're my daughter, and I'm not going anywhere. Several Bible verses you can see, again, read through these as well. I'll highlight John three sixteen. most of us know it, for God so loved the world. But it wasn't just the world, was it? No, it was God so loved you. God so loved me that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life, that we get to spend again eternity with him because of his love and grace and forgiveness in our life. The prayer for this one is, Jesus, thank you for your unconditional and eternal love. Continue to remind me of your never-ending love and help me to love others as you have loved me. Everlasting Father. Last one, Jesus is my Prince of Peace. And you'll go through this one like the week of, it won't be a full week unless you want it to be, that's fine, but the week leading into Christmas. That he is our Prince of Peace. Now, Let's make sure we understand peace the way that it's intended to be talked about here. Peace here is not talking about the absence of conflict because when we look at our lives sometime and we pull this out, we're like, there's no chance of this ever being peaceful. No, understand that you can have peace when life is like this because the peace that we get from Jesus is not a peace with the absence of conflict. It's the peace we gain because of our confidence in him. The peace that we have from him is because he says, I've already been there. I've already overcome it. I've got it and I'm not going anywhere. So therefore, we have peace because we have confidence in him because our hope is in him. So first, let's look back. The first question, what has, how has Jesus provided for me? What has Jesus already done for me? And then ask yourself the question, what am I worrying about right now? Because if he's already provided for me, if he's made good on those promises, why should I worry moving forward? It's not like Jesus made gooey pancakes. We don't have to worry about that. He fulfilled his promises. So we hold on to them. We hold on to the hope that we have in Jesus moving forward. Once again, more Bible verses to go through that week. I'll highlight John 16, 33. Jesus says, guess what? You're going to have trouble. He promises that. You will have trouble. In this world, you will have trouble. You're gonna open up the bin of life and you're gonna pull out a tangled, chaotic mess and it's gonna feel like you're walking around in darkness. It's gonna feel like things are falling apart. But he says this, take heart. So in this world, you will have trouble, promise. But he also says, take heart. In other words, don't worry. Take heart, for I have overcome the world, he says. I've got it. I've got you, is what he's saying. So your prayer, that final week leading into Christmas, is Jesus, guard my heart and my mind. My trust in you is not based on my own understanding. I walk with confidence because you are with me and nothing surprises you. So we can have peace in the unexpected. We can have peace in the uncertain. We can have peace in the unknown. As he says, I've got it. Take heart. I've overcome the world. Those four promises that we are given about Jesus that he will be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father, and our Prince of Peace. We look back on the promises he's kept and we hold on to those moving forward every single day. See, it's not just holding on to the hope of eternity for eternity's sake. And we hold on to that promise and that hope today. That's what help gets us through. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but sometimes it'll be late at night. Everybody in my house will be asleep and and I'll have to get out of bed for some reason. Usually it's like, go check on the kids or my wife leans over and says, did you check the doors are locked? And I'm like, you can't say yes. It's a, I'll go up and check. Husbands, if you don't know that, now you know. I'm giving you a little insider pro tip on that one. Go check. (laughs) There's always a reason to get up sometime late and all the lights are off and everybody's asleep. And so for me, it's like, I'm, I'm trying to get up, but again, I don't wanna turn lights on. I don't wanna be really loud because I don't wanna wake up my wife. I don't wanna wake up the kids. I definitely don't wanna wake up the dog. That's a whole other thing still. So anyway, you're gonna hear about that one for a while, just so you know. So I'm tiptoeing around in this one occasion not too long ago. I'm, I'm just going to check on my daughter. It sounded like something fell or she fell out of bed or something. So I'm trying to be real quiet all the lights are off in the house, and I'm tiptoeing. I'm trying to get into her room. The door's slightly shut, so I'm trying to, like, move around the door because I don't want the door to squeak, and, and I look up to try to find her. And, again, it's pitch black, and she, without me knowing this, had apparently built a fort in her room. I mean a big fort. <laughs> And so I start going in there and I just step on it and I'm barefoot, so I step on, who knows what was under that floor. but I stepped on it and I scream and say, ow, and then I try to move quickly and then it falls over. I mean, this was like a tornado was going through her room in the middle of the night. And all the time I try to be quiet and trying to scream without actually screaming because it hurts so bad. It was quite the ordeal. (laughs) You know what would have made life a whole lot easier? Turning on the light. (laughs) So often we're trying to navigate through with the lights off. And we've got some good, we don't want to bother anybody. We don't want to wake anybody up. Man, life would be so much easier if we just flipped on the light. Remember the promise that we've been given about Jesus, that a light was coming into the world, that a light had been given to us, that for Isaiah, people walking in darkness, they finally have been able to see this great light. Jesus' words in John chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus said, I and the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Are you still walking around in the darkness? If so, turn on the lights. Turn on the lights. And allow Jesus to give you the light of life that he says he is. So let me talk to kind of two groups of people for a quick second. Some of you have never made Jesus your Lord and your Savior. And you will continue to walk around in darkness until you make Jesus Lord and Savior. Lord, meaning he's the king of your life. He's the authority of your life. You follow him. He is your mighty God, your everlasting father, your prince of peace, and of course, wonderful counselor. And you invite him in by saying, I'm not perfect, but I need a perfect Savior. So Jesus, would you come into my life, forgive me of my sins, continue to lead me every day of my life. And we thank him for the hope that we have, the gift of eternal life with him in heaven. If that's you, you start there. and You invite him into your life. If you've already done that, can I encourage you to keep walking every day with the light of life? Turn on the lights. See, the hope for eternity is not just for eternity. The hope for eternity is also for today. Because that promise that had been kept, we walk through every day of our lives knowing he will keep the other ones as well. And that's what gets us through. That's what it causes us, go back to this, to keep going through the difficulties. Because hope is the belief that something better is coming. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you so much for who you are and who you continue to be in our lives. That you are wonderful counselors that you are mighty God, that you are everlasting Father, that you are Prince of Peace. And the promise that had been made good all those years ago on that first Christmas night, we look back at that promise kept and it gives us hope for the future. So right here and right now, Jesus, we declare that our hope is in nothing and no one else, but our hope is in you and we hold so tightly to it. So through this Christmas season, May we make sure that our focus is on you and our hope is in you. And may we reflect and remember and meditate and and study what it looks like for you to be those in our lives. The wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father and the prince of peace. Thank you for keeping your promises and thank you for the hope that we have. In Jesus' name, amen.